Hello. Thanks for tuning in to the Saturday Night Supper Club podcast. This week we're hearing from Carla Swanigan as she talks about the waiting game. We're all waiting for something. It might be a spouse or a baby. It might be healing or a home. Regardless of what we're waiting for, it's really easy to feel discontent when things aren't going as planned, when we feel like our dreams are being delayed, especially when we ask the Lord questions like, why? Why aren't you just doing this for me? Fulfill your promises. And and how long? How long is this going to take? And we get frustrated when those questions feel unanswered a lot of the time. Carla talks a lot about this season and how, um, you know, her personal experiences of waiting play in and all of those things that... We find a lot of difficulty in seasons of waiting, but God wants to talk to us about it, and he also really does want to give us some answers. Enjoy. I'm so excited to be here. I'm going to try not to play with my microphone. Um, I didn't know if I was even going to have, like, a voice tonight because Evan, my youngest son, had his first track meet today. And he is just starting running track, so it was his very first one. And um, John and I, my husband, we went all day. It's one of those all-day things. I don't know if your kids or anybody you know has been in track, but it's like an all-day thing. But, oh, my gosh, you guys, it was so exciting. And um, I was screaming my head off for him, but there was this, he was in four different events, and there was this one event that he did not want to be in that his coach recommend, just told him, like, listen, I signed you up for this. I want you to, you know, at least try it one time because I think you can do it. And Evan, like all week, has been like, oh, I'm dreading that. That's going to be horrible. It's the 1600 relay, I think. So it's really long. It's the long one around the track. And so um, he's just like, you know, I'm not going to be good at it. It's such a long way. It's going to be hard, blah, blah, blah. So it came time, and he went to go do it. And he was the, the lead. I don't know, the first one to go. I don't know all the track lingo yet, but I'm learning, okay? I know he's not the anchor, because that's the end. But he was the lead, so he was the first one to go. And you guys, he came off those blocks like his rear end was on fire. And he ran around that track, and I dropped my stuff, and I was running that track like the crazy mom from the middle of the field, at least. And I was screaming at the top of my lungs, Go, Evan! And he ran around, and the whole crowd started screaming, and he was way ahead of everybody, and he handed off. And it was just the greatest thing, and um, they, they won the relay, and um, at the end of it, you know, I, had, I was just so proud of him because it was something he didn't want to do and something he thought he was going to suck at, and he was dreading it all week. And you guys, he killed it. It was so good, and his coach comes running up, and me and John are like in tears because it was just such an emotional thing. And the coach comes running up, and he has tears in his eyes. And he said, I knew you could do it. I saw that in you. I knew you could do it. And, of course, then all of, you know, Evan's like, what's wrong with you guys? We're all crying. You know, his big burly coach. And I was just like, oh, God, that's, that's a word for us tonight. That is a word for us. That has nothing to do with my message. But he was just reminding me all during worship There are things, and we talked about this, I think, last week, you know, during worship. There are things he is calling us to do that we may be dreading or we may think that we are not equipped to do. And the Lord says, I see that in you. I see that in you. You can do it. And so I just encourage you. Like I said, this isn't part of my message, but I just had to get that off my heart. The stuff that he has for you, you can do it, okay? 
He's got you, and that's why he's calling you to it. And there's a whole cloud of witnesses up in heaven saying, yay, and screaming for you. So just, I encourage you to go for it, whatever that is. I just knew I was supposed to share that tonight. So, so there you go. That was free. That's not part of the message. So, okay. So let's start the message tonight. The message is the waiting game. Sarah's cool graphic. And... Um, We're going to get into that in just a minute. I know Paul already prayed, but I want to pray one more time. So, Father God, thank you so much for this message. Thank you for uh, preparing our hearts to receive it. And, Lord, I pray that it hits the mark and does exactly what you've anointed it to do because we know that your words do not return to us void. And so return to you void. So we just give you all the glory and all the praise, Lord, and just come, Holy Spirit, and have your way in this place. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... Oh, thank you. This weekend is Palm Sunday, and so that means next weekend is Easter. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. If you brought your Bibles or you have it on your phone, we're going to be, our text tonight is in Matthew 21. So if you have your Bibles, just turn to Matthew 21. And it's going to be starting in verse 1. And this is all about Palm Sunday. Now, as they were approaching Jerusalem, they arrived at the place of the stables near the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead, saying, As soon as you enter the village, you will find a donkey tethered along with her young colt. Untie them both and bring them to me. And if anyone stops you and asks, What are you doing? Just tell them, The Lord of all needs them, and he will let you take them. All of this happened to fulfill the prophecy, Tell Zion's daughter, Look, your king arrives. He's coming to you full of gentleness, sitting on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. So the two disciples went on ahead and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and her colt to him and placed their cloaks and prayer shawls on the colt, and Jesus rode on it. Then an exceptionally large crowd gathered and carpeted the road before him with their cloaks and prayer shawls. Others cut down branches from trees to spread in his path. Jesus rode in the center of the procession, crowds going before him and crowds coming behind him, and they all shouted, Bring the victory, Lord, son of David. He comes with the blessings of being sent from the Lord Yahweh. We celebrate with praises to God in the highest. As Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people went wild with excitement. The entire city was thrown into an uproar. So if you can imagine the scene, um, at this point in the text, the Israelites had been under Roman oppression for about 100 years. They were waiting on a king. Clearly they were super excited. Um, They were throwing their coats down in front of Jesus and waving branches of palm trees, and only kings were greeted in this way. So they were saying to him, we know that you're the king that's coming, that's been prophesied to us. You know, we believe that you're the Messiah. It had been prophesied all throughout the Old Testament that their Messiah was coming. But they expected their Messiah to be a great political and military leader that was going to free them from the oppression of the Roman Empire. And make no mistake about it, Jesus was there to free them. He did come to bring freedom and set them free. It's just not from what they thought or how they thought. Um... I want to read to you a list of what I call the waiters in the Bible, some famous people 
that did a lot of waiting in the Bible, just to kind of encourage us and remind us that we're not the only ones that wait on things with God or go through waiting seasons with God. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for their promise from God to come to pass in the birth of their promised son, Isaac. The woman with the issue of blood waited 12 years for her healing from Jesus. Moses waited 40 years in the desert with his father-in-law's sheep while God prepared him to deliver Israel from Pharaoh. And then he waited another 40 years in the wilderness with those same people that he delivered before they were allowed to go into their promised land. It's estimated by biblical scholars that Noah waited between 75 to 120 years for it to actually rain after God told him to build the ark. Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine that. Joseph waited 13 years serving in Potiphar's house, some of that in and out of prison, falsely accused, before he became Pharaoh's right-hand man and saved a nation. And the disciples and the women who dearly loved Jesus waited three excruciating days after the crucifixion before Jesus rose from the dead, rose from the dead and appeared to them as their risen Savior. So you can see, and there's many more. Those are just the ones that were highlighted to me that I wanted to point out to us tonight. Um, we're all waiting for something with God, and we're in great biblical company. Um, I told the Lord when, when this message topic first came up that I was not the right person to preach this message. And... Um, I was, I was having a conversation with one of my girlfriends, and she was just asking me about some of the things that she had been praying for me about for a long time. How's your back doing? Have you got your healing yet in your body? No, not, not yet. Okay. Well, how about um, your ministry? How's your ministry doing? Are you traveling the world like God promised you and, and speaking all over the world? Are you doing that yet? No, I mean, a little bit, but not really, not all the way yet, not like God's told me it's going to be. And she just kept bringing up things that she was praying for me about. And then I said, you know what, girl, I feel like my whole walk with the Lord for the past decade has been a lesson in faith and waiting. And that's when I knew I was supposed to preach this message. And I told the Lord, I was like, listen, I'm not the right one to preach this message. Somebody else needs to preach this message because I'm still waiting on all my stuff. You know, I want it to be like tied up with a nice, neat little bow and saying, and this is what God did, and this is how you wait well. And the Lord said to me, if I wanted somebody to preach a message on here's what God did and here's how it went well, he's like, I would ask that person. But I want somebody that's in the waiting to speak this message about waiting, so I choose you, Missy. And I was like, okay, so I guess they're doing this. So um, here goes. Here's what I know so far about the waiting game. In a season of waiting, there's always three Ps, the promise, the purpose, and the person. First of all, God gives all of his promises. It says in Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man who lies. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill it? Every time we say yes to a promise of God, our faith muscle starts growing. 
every time we say yes. About a year after John and I were married, um, we decided that we wanted to have kids together. I had had Zachary from my previous marriage, and he was in elementary school, but we wanted more kids, and, and we started um, practicing, trying to have kids. And I got pregnant pretty quick, and we were super excited, and I was telling everybody that would listen. You know, um, I was telling everybody at work. I was calling all my family. I was so excited to be pregnant again. I just love being a mom. It's one of my favorite things. And um, I was about three months along. We went in to hear the heartbeat, and there was no heartbeat. And I had a miscarriage. And that was devastating to me in on so many levels because I never saw it coming and I just didn't expect it. I'd had a healthy pregnancy and had a healthy delivery and I just, it's just one of those things that blindsides you, you know, and I just didn't see it coming. So that was super hard for me. And I had a really hard time snapping out of it. I went into a, a depression and I think I was, I was really isolating myself and avoiding people. I wasn't going to work. I wasn't, you know, answering the door when the neighbors would come and check on me. I was, was very isolating myself and just kind of spiraling down. And we went out of town um, to go see my mom because John thought it would be good to get me to the beach because I love the water. And he thought that would be good for me. And um, we went down to the beach and spent a week with my family. And that did. That helped a lot. Um, but the last day we were there... I had a dream, and in that dream, I won't go into all, all the details just for sake of time, but in that dream, I saw myself holding a little baby girl, and the doctor said to me, she is perfect and healthy in every way, and he called her by name, he, so I knew what her name was and everything, and so I woke up, and it changed my whole demeanor. It broke off any of that depression and, and hopelessness and discouragement, and everything just changed for me in an instant, and I got so excited. So, you know, a few months go by, not long after that, and I get pregnant again. And we're so grateful and we're so happy. And everything's going great with that pregnancy. And I knew that my baby girl was coming. I knew it was my daughter that, that God had shown me, that he had promised me, that I had seen in my dream, and he told me it was going to be healthy. And I was so excited. But then we went for our five-month, where they tell you the sex of the baby, and the baby had an extra part that little girls don't have in the picture. So I was super confused. I was like, no, that's not right. It's a girl, so I don't know what's going on there. So John's like, a boy is going to be awesome. And I'm like, no, honey, listen. Don't get your hopes up. You know, they make mistakes in these things. I had a dream. It's going to be a girl. She's going to be healthy. God already told me your name. This is happening. It's a girl. And I even did, like, all these neutral things in the nursery just in case, because I knew deep down in my heart that the doctors were wrong, the ultrasound lady technician was wrong, John was wrong, I was right. So then, um, because God had, God had shown me a dream, and I felt like that was a promise. And then on May 10th, 2002, Evan Michael Swanigan was born, definitely a boy, not a girl at all, and um, up until the very last minute, you guys, I really thought that everybody was going to be astounding because it was going to be a girl. And so to hold my healthy baby boy in my arms, I was super grateful. But I was like, what in the, I mean, I had the dream. What in the world? You know, this is the promise from God. 
And sometimes what that taught me is sometimes we think we have it all figured out. We think we understand exactly what everything means. We have in our mind exactly what God meant, and we have our expectations a certain way, just like they did on Palm Sunday. They were expecting a king, and they were getting a king. It was just a different type of king than what they thought. And it was way better than what they ever thought. I can't imagine my life now without having Evan in it. Now listen, I'm still waiting for my daughter. And I know at my age how crazy that sounds. I don't care. I believe in God. I don't know how she's going to come or when she's going to come, but I'm waiting on her. Because God did give me a promise. God is teaching me about faith in him, but he's also teaching us in one way or another that he is faithful. Hebrews 10.23 says, He who has promised you is faithful. And something I always say to myself is, God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. And especially when that doubt or discouragement from waiting for a really long time starts creeping in, I'm like, oh no, God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. So there's a promise, there's a purpose, and there's a person. And the last part of the waiting game that I want to talk to you about is my favorite part and that's the final P in my message and that's the person. The person is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's in the waiting. The first word that the Lord ever spoke to me when I rededicated my life back to him about 10 years ago as an adult um, I was having all kinds of strife in my life and problems in my life and trouble in my marriage and I had already been divorced once when I was really young, and, and so I was beginning to think I'm not cut out for marriage. Obviously, I'm doing it all wrong, and maybe I'm just one of those people that's not supposed to be married. And so I went and got prayer for my marriage, and I was pretty convinced that I was supposed to get divorced, you know. I you know, thought I knew what was best. So when the lady's praying for me and she's telling me, you know, God wants to help you with your marriage, I was like, oh, no, he doesn't have to bother with that. That's, that's way too much work. That's okay. Let's just get this other stuff taken care of because that's too far gone. He can't save my marriage, you know. And she said, no, he's going to speak to you and tell you exactly what he wants you to do. So just close your eyes and let him speak to you. And nobody had ever said that to me before. And so I sat there, and sure enough, just as clear as the bell, the Lord spoke to me and said, wait. Wait. First word he ever spoke to me. The verse he gave me during that season of waiting was Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. And some of you may know this. It's, it's one of my favorite verses. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And God did strengthen me during those days of waiting, during those hard days when he was rebuilding my marriage and, and healing things and teaching me how to be a, a good wife and a, and a good mom and a good partner and a good friend. And when I would get weary, I'd go down in the basement to the laundry room, and I'd get on my knees, and I'd be like, Lord, I got no more juice left. Like, you need to fill me up because I got no more ability to wait. And he would do just like that verse said. He would give me strength because I was weary. Isaiah 25, 9 says, We have waited for him. 
and he has saved us. And that's exactly what he did for me, and I'm sure for many of us in this room, but he definitely did that for me. He did a miracle in my marriage. We, we just celebrated 17 years of being married, 20 plus together, so praise God, glory to God. Miracles happen when we fix our eyes on Jesus, and he's in that waiting place. He's part of the purpose, and he is the person, and he gives us the promise. So when we find ourselves in a waiting game, and we're waiting for that promise to come to pass, there's a purpose in that wait. There's a person in that wait. And I just, I want to say this too, um, really quick. Sometimes while we're waiting and things are really hard, the Lord will give us an encouragement by a prophetic word, either from himself or through a person. And sometimes it's a prophetic word that we got a long time ago, that he brings back to our memory for that season that we're in because he knew we were going to go in it. And I felt like tonight I was supposed to remind some of you of the prophetic words that you've gotten that maybe at the time you're like, I don't know about that, but it really is for the season that you're in right now. And also there's some of you that God has a word for you now in the season that you're in that he wants to give you tonight. I think what happens is we have those prophetic words and um, those promises and what God meant to be an encouragement to us in our time of need. The enemy tries to take it when it hasn't happened and we feel like it's been delayed and he tries to twist it and turn it into a discouragement when all along the Lord meant for it to be an encouragement. And now the enemy is like, well, it still hasn't happened and he starts saying all these negative things when really... It's not meant to be a discouragement. It's meant to encourage us. So I, I encourage you tonight to think on those prophetic words, even the ones that are hard to look at maybe because they haven't happened yet and you're wondering if God forgot about you or maybe it wasn't a, a true word from the Lord at the time. Just pray about that and let him speak to you about that because I feel like he wants to redeem those things that have become discouragements. Sometimes when I'm waiting on something really long for the Lord, another thing that I say out loud to myself when it hasn't happened yet, Lord, your timing is perfect. Your timing is perfect, and I trust you completely, Jesus. And just saying that out loud sometimes breaks off discouragement or doubt or unbelief about that word to me. Um, I had a really cool opportunity come up recently there would be a pretty incredible thing for me to participate in, and there was no way that I had anything to do with it because it's just that type of thing that somebody just calls you up and invites you to be a part of something that you didn't even know existed. So I knew it was a God thing, and I was so excited about it to, to be included in you know this preliminary invitation thing. And the way they left it after the, the first meeting, um, you know, we'll, we'll email you, when we're ready and we'll let you know the plan we'll let you know for sure if we want you to be a part of the team well they didn't give me any kind of time frame for the email and so a couple of days goes by and then a couple of weeks goes by and then a couple of months goes by and I'm still waiting for that email and so while I was preparing this message that kept coming up and I kept finding myself praying every morning Lord where is that email? I got so excited about this God thing that I had nothing to do with. There's no way I could have made this happen. And now they've forgotten about me, and I haven't gotten the email. 
And the Lord is so sweet. Finally, I'm sure I was driving him nuts. After several weeks and then months of this, he said to me the other day, Carla, I've got this. I put you in that room in the first place. Don't you think I can keep you there if I want you there? If I don't want them to forget about you, they won't forget about you. So just give it to me and relax and let me do it. And trust me. Just trust me in the waiting. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's part of the process. Okay, that's awesome. So I just want to remind you all that um, he's in the waiting, you know. He wants to talk to you. He wants to encourage you in your waiting. He wants to draw you close. You know, the, the most conversation and the closest I've ever felt to him a lot of people say it's when they're going through something really hard, and that's absolutely true. But he also talks to me so much in the midst of the waiting for his promises to come to pass. In my seasons of waiting with God, I have grown in my faith. I feel closer to him. I sense his presence and voice better than ever before. And he is worth the wait. I can promise you that. Habakkuk 2.3 says this, Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. So I want to ask you tonight, what are you waiting for? Is it big? Is it a small thing? Is it a promise he made you 30 years ago? Five weeks ago? I, I know that tonight while I've been talking and even now, he's reminding you of things. There's specific things that you're waiting for. And he wants to talk to you about it just like he did for me last week when I was praying about that email. And just like he wants to talk to all of us every time. He wants to draw you close. And he wants to encourage you. He wants to speak to you about it. Sarah's going to play a song for us that it's a worship song. And I really, we're going to all stand up, please. And I want you to hear the voice of the Lord talking to you and encouraging you during this song. I believe he's going to speak to you. I believe he's going to encourage you. The lyrics will be on the, on the um, screen. And then I'm going to pray for you when we close. But I really felt like we were supposed to sing this song together tonight. And just let the Lord speak to you while it plays. And then I'll pray for us when we're done. Isn't that song awesome? I'm sorry it wasn't louder. I wanted all of us to sing really loud. But I knew when it didn't come up loud that that probably wasn't going to happen. But... Those words are so encouraging to me, and I just felt like we needed to sing that over ourselves and just have those words in our hearts tonight as we um, end the message here. I just want to pray over you now. So, Father God, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for all of us in a season of waiting, whether for something really big, Lord, or even the small things, Lord, you're in all of it. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I ask for that fresh hope. I break off discouragement in the name of Jesus, and I silence every lie of the enemy that says that it's never going to happen. 
and I just speak your truth. I declare that you are faithful, Lord. You are faithful. And Father God, right now in Jesus' name, um, I just breathe fresh life on your promises, Lord. I stir them up, the ones that have been buried way deep, the ones that we might even be afraid to revisit and look at, Lord, because we might have lost hope that they're going to come to pass. So, Lord, I just say bring those up, bring them to our minds, Lord, and give us the faith and the hope and the joy and the expectation of all that you have planned for us. Lord, we thank you that you are who you say you are and you will do what you say you will do. And Father, I pray that you continue to speak to people here tonight just like you do for me, Lord, when I'm feeling like it's taken a really long time and the doubt tries to set in, Lord. I pray for fresh words straight from your throne room for people tonight, God. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. In the mighty, holy, faithful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Bless you guys. As always, thanks so much for listening to the SNSE podcast. If you're ever in the Castle Rock, Colorado area, I encourage you to stop by. We're all about community and genuine, authentic relationships. We have awesome worship, an amazing message, and we always end with a free community meal. We're also so honored every time Carla comes to speak. She brings so much joy, passion, vision, and encouragement to us. If you want to hear more from Carla, you can go to carlaswanigan.com. She has so many exciting things going on. Make sure you check out her page. If you'd like more information on SNSC, you can go to saturdaynightsupperclub.org. Have a great week.